Yo, yo, this is Desmond the Predator Green. You listening to MMA Records Radio. Yeah. Welcome to the 29th episode of MMA Wreckage Radio. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys. I got Waleed here. Him and I are going to break down what happened this past weekend at UFC 238. It was an amazing pay-per-view in my eyes. We're going to go over some current events, but also on the show, we have three amazing guests. We have Titan FC's Juan Puerta. He's the flyweight champion. He's going to be defending his flyweight title March, or sorry, sorry, Friday, June 28th. It's going to be a great event. Also on the event is UFC developmental talent, 19-year-old Chase Hopper. That kid, you keep an eye out for Chase, man. He's going to be the future of the UFC. The kid's 19-year-old. He's a stud. Then after that, I got the UFC's middleweight contender, Eric Anders, stopping by. We're going to have a great little interview with him. But uh, without further ado, I have my amazing buddy slash co-host over here, Waleed Kandusi. Chilling. What you up doing? Yeah, I'm good. Last week I was in in Paris. Like I sent you some pictures and stuff like that. He's lying, bro. That's his house. He was sending me a picture nah. from his balcony. His <laughs> balcony is the Eiffel Tower, ladies and gentlemen. He's lying to you. This shit's beautiful. I was in Paris and I saw I saw a big I saw a big guy, and I thought that was Francis Ngannou, but it wasn't him. It was just uh, some guy, <laughs> some random guy. So Waleed walked up to some random black dude and was like, Francis, Francis. The kid's like, get the fuck away from yeah, me, kid. That's not him. <laughs> he had a belly and, you know, it wasn't him. <laughs> then he turned around. Yeah, and then he turned around and it wasn't him. Did you, uh, did you see any cool sites while you were out there? Any museums or anything? Uh, not really. Like, I didn't see a museum, but, you know, I walked in the streets and stuff. Like, it wasn't the first time I go to Paris, so. Like, I, I kind of already saw it. So, you know, I'm talking like, you know, I know the place. <laughs> He's like, I, I, I've been there, done that. Sorry, yeah. all you Americans don't get to know shit about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, what do you think about this weekend's card? So, I stayed up very late to watch it. Like, <laughs> I disturbed my cousin. He was, I think he worked uh, the next day or I, or not. I don't remember, but, you know. So, the card was good. It was good. It was kind of good. Out of but, 10, out of 10, what would you get it? A six and a half, maybe. Not really? even seven. Not even I seven. I would be like at least a strong seven. But I, I will tell you why it's not a seven for me. Because first... I don't think Mar uh, Marias should fight for the belt yeah, you right said now. That. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, he's not the number one guy in the bantamweight division. But who so actively would have been a better choice to represent the bantamweight uh -huh. division in that? I, I agree 100% when you say that. He was the only guy there. Active, yes. He's the only guy active, active enough to I actually... I agree with you, but... I really think Cody is better than him, and I really think that 
TJ is better than him, even if uh, he's a cheater. But I, I really think Cruz is better than him, even if he's always injured. And I think that even Sterling may be better than Moraes, even though he won against him by knockouts. But it was kind of a lucky knockout. He tried to head kick him, and he hit him with the knee. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, yes. so it kind of lucky. I think Marlon Moraes really got lucky in his path to the, to the, to the belt, so like for the fight for the belt. But you know, not taking everything from him. Like he's a he's a tremendous fighter. The first round he looked amazing, but you know, Cejudo with the experience and the then now, uh, he. Now yeah, when I he have a question out, regarding TJ's suspension. Did they retroactive retroact that from last January when he got popped? Yeah. So he's two years from last January. He's he turned thirty three in February. So he'll be thirty four. He'll be going to be 35 before he steps back into the octagon again. Do you think we see a 35-year-old TJ Dillashaw still being able to compete at this high level? Granted, he's got two years to shore up all his injuries and just keep grinding and making his tools better. The main important thing is we're going to see a completely healthy TJ Dillashaw. John Jones took two years off. He's looked yeah. phenomenal since. Health-wise, I don't think he's ever looked better. I mean, I, I haven't heard him having handling issues. I believe he had issues with his knee before he uh, got his suspension. Obviously, he took care of all that when he was on suspension. Maybe we see a better TJ Dillashaw coming out of this because he's not taking those two years worth of damage. Yeah, maybe. But I think it depends more on the who will he fight like who will be the top guys in the division like in does two years does he get a title shot uh right away or what what does he have to do to earn that title shot or does he get one it right depends. away like john it jones depends. got one right away how how can you not give him one right away if you give jones one he was a very long champion he knocked out multiple contenders i mean it, it's hard to say no tj doesn't deserve an immediate title shot looking at the history of what they've already done with fighters like john jones who had the title when they got suspended? But it, like, like I said, like it depends. Imagine if, like, in in two in the the next two years, Sterling doesn't lose the fight, Yan Yan doesn't lose the fight, Moraes doesn't lose the fight. You know, it depends. Like in the the light heavyweight division, it's not the same because, like, John Jones is way better than everybody, and DC is way better than everybody. So it, when John Jones come back and Remember, John Jones fought against uh, Sam Pru before fighting against DC for the belt, and he, like you see the difference in the level. There's no, there, like, there's no need for John Jones to fight against someone if it's not for the belt. But for TJ, no, 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 no. Like Sam Pru was for an interim title. Y- yeah, he was originally scheduled to face DC, but DC had to pull out because of a back injury. Yeah, my bad. So it was for an interim belt. And TJ, I think TJ will fight the, directly for the belt, but it depends on who will be the champion and if there's like a number one contender fighter who really deserve it more. No, for sure, but definitely we'll get into that a little bit later, guys. Uh, with a, a quick station identification, I'm going to get right back to you and we'll be uh, joined by Juan Puerta. My name is Jillian Robertson and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. 
And joining me this time, guys, is the flyweight king of Titan FC, Leadfeather Juan Puerta. Juan, how you doing today? Doing great, man. I appreciate you having me again. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. No, for sure, brother. And thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're in between uh, trading classes right now, so we appreciate that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we have a date for our next fight. <clears throat> it is June 28th, Titan FC 55, Claudio Ledesma. Tell me how excited oh, yeah. are you to finally get him back in the cage? Man, I'm so pumped. Um, it's a hell of a fight. Um, uh, honestly, I think a tougher fight than Ballard. Honestly, I had a lot of advantages over Ballard, but I'm done talking about him. It's Claudio Ledesma now, and uh, I'm excited, man. The kid's a stud. He's on a five-fight win streak. Black belt in jiu-jitsu coming from a tough, tough gym. Um, so I'm excited, man. I'm excited to uh, put on a show and really, really test myself. And... Um, and show show people that I've made changes, I've fixed my mistakes, and uh, ready to defend my world title, man. And, and let's talk a little bit about those mistakes, real quick. Juan, uh, before your last fight against Gustavo Bilar, uh as we spoke to Lex McMahon, he said it was one of the most weirder situations he's ever been in. The commission came to you guys before the fight and said that you had tested positive for THC. So um, actually, thirty minutes before my fight, uh, they uh, gave me a. They administered a drug drug test, and uh, I actually I failed uh, for THC. And um, yeah, man, I, I'm not gonna hide it. Uh, I was eating edibles and stuff like that. I wasn't smoking, but I, I was eating edibles, kind of keeping me calm and just keeping chill during the week. And uh, I was doing mistake. Um, Florida is a zero tolerance, so they even uh, for the little bit or the, what I've tested, they 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 weren't gonna let me fight. But um, Ah, something it sucks, man. I, like ten minutes before the fight, the main event, like I, I was watching the co-main event backstage, like finish my my, my warm-up preparations, and uh, uh, I hear I see Lex come over with like a bad face, look on his face, and uh, I knew something was wrong. And uh, yep, and he, that's where that's what ended up happening. They ended up disqualifying me, and it was the, the biggest heartbreak I've, I've had in, in my MMA career so far. Tell me a little bit, what was that process getting back to the octagon this next couple of weeks? What has that been like for you? Man, uh, I don't know why. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure, I feel like, this time. Um, but, uh, but I'm the best under pressure. But uh, uh, I, it's a lot of pressure because I, I didn't get to even put on a performance my last fight. So uh, like, I, I feel like I really need to put on like a, a really good performance this fight. And it's going to be hard against Claudio Legima, but but I'm ready for the challenge. Do you feel like Lesdema brings a different skill set than Gallart? Um, absolutely. Um, like the thing is, is Ballard is a little ball, and uh, it was hard to keep him on the ground. You know, he's just like too muscular, too hard to really control. But Lesdema, I feel like I can get the takedowns on him. Uh, me being a, a better, I think I'm a better wrestler than him. But he's got great jujitsu. He's a black belt in jujitsu. But um, I. Think people underestimate how good my jiu-jitsu is, and I've been. Uh, people say that I'm a legit black belt, and I just I actually received my black belt uh, last week. So, um, congratulations! Uh, like That's I, awesome. I, I appreciate it, but I feel like I've been a black belt for for years, man. I've been tapping out black belts since I was a purple belt. Uh, Ron Carnero is my my head coach, and uh, uh, he really makes sure people like uh, are light years ahead before he gives out belts. He doesn't just give out belts and. Uh, uh, it's an honor to be a black belt under him because I know I'm a legit black belt now. No, excellent. That that's an awesome honor, man. That's something that someone can, no one can ever take from you. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. So here we go. We finally got the date, and I mean, 
the jitters to get back in there has to be crazy for you because I mean like you said it was 30 minutes before the Bellart fight they came in they took it all from you you had to go through this crazy appeal process yeah it was actually man uh, uh, 30 minutes they administered the drug test and 10 minutes before, like 5 minutes before my lockout they, they came and came up so it was the it was That's the such fifth a heartbreak round. it was the 5th round uh, in the co-main event and they came up so I was literally I, I was like pumped up ready ready I was I knew I was about to walk out, and then, and then, uh, all those, all those thoughts in your head are just in there, and then they, they tell you, tell me I, I can't fight. Uh, I literally broke down, uh, and uh, it's, it's just very emotional. What have we learned from the situation? Man, uh, some, sometimes you, you gotta choose like um, what you, what you really love more, and you know, I, I've been able to compete my whole career with uh, doing what I do, but um, I think this is a new me. Uh, no, I haven't been smoking, and honestly, I've I've noticed my cardio is is in, is like 360. I've already had I already had great cardio. I already been four or five rounds, and uh, was able to handle that. But I now I feel like wow, I can I can push every minute uh, of that fifth round and 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 go a sixth round if I need to, you know. So so can we uh, be seeing a completely different Juan Puerta in the cage? I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna see him more. Uh, more pressure. More. More active. More. Uh, I think you're gonna see him more. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, even if from the last fights that you've seen, uh, I move a lot, but I think you're gonna. You're gonna see me uh, uh, a lot more active. How do you say this fight playing out with Claudio? Man, I, I, I honestly, I respect Claudio a lot. Uh, I think this is, uh, like I said, it's one of my toughest fights of my career. Um, he's got great kicks. Um, great jujitsu. Um, he's got great good takedowns. So I'm gonna have to. Uh, I really want to pressure him and um, and break him, break him mentally, and uh, and see see we'll see how he folds and uh, under the pressure, see how he feel, feels or when he feels me. I, I want to see how he reacts and uh, I just want to break him. I, I see him. I see me finishing him in the fourth. You know, he he gets he gets really tired in the third. He has pushes a good first and second round, but he, he kind of dwindles in the third. So um, I really want to start. I want to test his cardio, man. See if you see if he's there mentally, and uh, and break him in the fourth, and uh, maybe I, I, TKO stoppage. We'll see. Now, do you feel like you hold uh, an advantage over Claudio when it comes to the feet or the ground? Honestly, um, I think I think he's a better kicker. Uh, I'm I'm gonna give him respect where he, he needs to get it. I think he's a better kicker. I think I'm a better boxer. I think I'm a better wrestler. And I think he's a better uh, uh, back jujitsu, uh, laying on his back. But I'm so tough on top that I think that uh, uh, I'm, that's where the fight's going to be: is me on top of him and me uh, really hurting him. And and uh, yeah, I, I see that's where it's going to be. I, like like I said, I, I respect his jujitsu, um, but I'm not going to play in his guard. I'm gonna I'm gonna really work to pass and land my shots, land my elbows, land. Whatever ground and pound I need, I, I, there's no there's no secret here. He can he can listen to this and he, he's gonna try to fix it and make adjustments to me. But um, I'm gonna make adjustments to him and uh, I'm excited. What training partners have you brought in? And I have the best flyweights in the in the in the in the country in the world. Um, I, I have Formiga that fights on the same night as me um, against Benavidez. So me and him have been getting a lot of work in. Um, I have Adriano Moraes. Uh, the one FC champion. Uh, he's kind of uh, he's very tall, very big fly. Uh, he's actually a bantamweight now. He fights at 135, but um, 
uh, I brought him, he's been helping me a lot because he's a kicker and everything. But, um, uh, man, no, no, no new training partners, all the same people, but I have the best uh, sideways to push me every day. For those of you guys who don't know, Juan Puerta is part of the famed American top team. I mean, you guys just go out there and produce killers. Like you said, you have Formiga in there, the flyweight division. You have the one FC champion. You have the Titan FC champion. Not only that, but we have Alexandra Pantoja. We yes. have um, my my good uh, my one of my best friends, Eric Shelton. Um, we have uh, one of my other good friends, Jamie Alvarez. Um, he just got signed to Combat the Americas and is fighting Joe B. Sanchez on the same night. So we're going through camp right now together. Um, we are right now, we have uh, the toughest flyweights right now that all fight on the same night. Jamie Alvarez fights on, on Combat the Americas on June 28th. Juicy Formiga fights on June 28th. So right now, uh, we're about to go spar here at 11, uh, or wrestle at 11.30, and we're going to push each other. That's for sure. Now, this Saturday, uh, Henry Cejudo went to the UFC 238, and he defeated Marlon Moraes. But after the fights, Dana White did confirm that the flyweight division will stick around. How does that make a flyweight like you feel? Makes me feel good. Uh, gives us gives us a lot of life. Um, it makes me it makes me really happy. Um, and uh, you know, like wherever this this is a big contract. Uh, this is another thing that I've been uh, putting in, uh, a lot of thought into. This is a big contract making fight. Um, Claudio Ledzema, sixteen and seven. Me, sixteen and six. Uh, we're some of the top unsigned uh, flyweights right now. I mean, I'm signed to Titan, but but well, I mean, this is a contract making fight, and um, uh, it may it gives me a lot of hope. And and this fight can put me or him uh, into uh, a big contract, one FC, uh, UFC, um, and uh, and I'm sure he's gonna be he feels the same type of pressure. So uh, we're ready, and we're I'm happy, and uh, I'm ready for the uh, to take this opportunity. Now, here in America, UFC is the big dog in town. But for the flyweight division, it kind of feels more like 1FC is better suited for that division. Is fighting over in Singapore and overseas in Asia something that you'd be interested in? Absolutely. Um, obviously, UFC is the ultimate goal. And now that uh, Dana White confirmed that it's still sticking around, it gives me life. But um, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm willing to fight uh, for 1FC. They pay just as good. Um, right now, I'm 31 years old. I'm not looking for the. Uh, I'm looking to make money right now. I'm, I'm a prize fighter. I'm, I'm looking to make some money, and uh, uh, and and if one FC is going to do that for me, then that's what I'm willing to do. If UFC wants to do the same thing for me, let's do it. But um, I'm ready to fight the best too. Now you have world class training partners. How do you think you would stack up against some of the flyweights in the UFC right now? And I, I love my training partners, um, uh, and. Uh, they're my best. They're, they're some people I respect and, and admire. Um, but but they also know how good I am. So uh, I, I steal rounds from from all of them all the time. So uh, sparring and all that, I know I can compete with the best. Formiga, you know, Kyoji Horiguchi. Um, I steal rounds from all those guys, and and um, and uh, I, I know I can compete with the best. I'm I'm right there with the elite. So I'm excited. So we've heard a, a ton about what you've been preparing for this fight and what you've been up to inside the cage. What have you been up to outside the cage? Man, outside the cage, I've just been, um, uh, you know, just trying to live life. I've been going through, uh, you know, after my last last uh, fight, what happened and everything, uh, life's hit pretty hard. My dog of, of 14 years passed away. 
say he's my best friend, but uh, uh, also just life life hits with uh, relationships and stuff like that. Um, but um, I'm just trying to stay focused on, on this one goal, and uh, and uh, that's that's being successful in MMA and uh, being successful in what I do. And I've been successful with wrestling, been successful with jiu-jitsu. So uh, I mean, I, I like to go to the beach. I like to. Uh, uh, you know, the outdoors and, and, and hanging out. I live in the the best, honestly, the best state I feel like ever. Like we have, I, I, I train and I can take a 15 minute drive to the beach, uh, crystal clear water. And uh, it's, it's always sunny down here, man. It might rain for like five minutes, but it's always sunny. So I, I, I like to be outdoors. Uh, that's about it, man. Have you taken up any surfing yet? Surfing, no, no surfing yet, but actually I, I uh, like to go on the strip. Uh, take my shirt off and, and go longboarding, you know. I like it like that. So that, no, that's always sure. really – it uh, kind of relieves a little bit of stress. Uh, it takes me a little bit away from the fight game. and So it can't always just be fighting, 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 you know. You have to kind of level things out. Yes, you, so. you always hear fighters talking about you have to have that balance just yeah, yeah. just to get away, you know what I mean? And some players, they'll find it in video games or reading books or whatever have you, Absolutely. whatever it is, you know what I mean? You just have to have that outlet. Man, fighting such a like chaotic sport. Like you can't always just be uh, just uh, can't always like, be a killer. <laughs> yeah, you can't always be a killer. It's gonna it'll, it'll really change you. So you got to know to balance these things out. Now uh, you said you're tied with Titan FC, and during this entire ordeal, Titan FC has been very vocal and by your side. Tell me what is having Lex and everyone in your corner? Because I know Lex was there. You're hearing. Tell me what that's been like for you. Mm -hmm. Gosh, it's been it's been amazing to have Lex and Titan FC by my side. Like um, they 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 understand that people make mistakes, and um and I and I made and I made a mistake, and and um I, I'm just happy to have such a supportive uh, team behind me, and uh and honestly I, I owe them a lot. I owe them a lot for sticking by my side, and I owe them a lot. I I didn't think I would be another main event fight, but luckily I'm I'm another main event fight, and um and, and this whole card is for me. So it just shows how much they support me. It shows how much they're 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 putting all this into me, and uh, I'm forever indebted to them. Uh, they made me their champion. I've been fighting for them. Now, now I've fought three fights for them already. Now I'm going on my fourth fight, and uh, man, I, I'm indebted. I like I, I owe them a lot. No, definitely. Um, and then with Titan FC, like they I've pointed out before, they have that awesome Zufa out. I think that's one of the best things for any kind of young fighters or fighters trying to come in and make it to the UFC level because not a lot of promotions will give you an option to go to the big dogs. But Zufa yep. has their, or Titan has that Zufa out, and I think that's just one of the best things that they have done for fighters. Yep. Well, no, they have that. Titan has a uh, – Lex will let me go to one. Uh, he'll let me go to Zufa. Uh, and, but the thing is he has his foot in the door with Zufa right now. Um, he has a great connection with Dana White, a great connection with Mick Maynard, and um, and honestly, uh, UFC knows about me. UFC knew about me during when the drug test failure, and um, and and honestly, it put my name in a lot of people's mouth, and um, and I was like basically the 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 lab rat if, to say uh, to change the Florida law for here for the UFC uh, when they came here April 27th. So. Um, uh, UFC knows about me, either uh, bad publicity or good publicity. They know about me, and they know I'm the main event fight, and they love the fight against Claudio Ledzema. They think it's a great fight for both of us uh, to advance in our career. And um, 
and yeah, man. So it's great to to have Titan in so close with Zuka. Yeah, no, definitely. You know Zufa's paying attention to this card. I mean, they've put guys on there to fight for this card. Like, they have Chase um, Hopper. Ch who, Chase, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that kid's very good. I just talked to him uh, the other day. I mean, 19 years old, already got a UFC contract. I mean, that's fucking crazy. He, they basically want to see how he's going to do. Uh, they, well, they wanted to see him tested. And, and, he's and got Titan a, he's is be sending tested. him a killer. Uh, Luis, Luis uh, Gomez is a killer. Um do I think uh, Chase has better jiu-jitsu? Yes. But I think it's going to be hard to get Lewis down to the ground. I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. No, for sure. And, I, and that's a co-main event for you guys. And then you and Claudia are going to go out there and steal the show. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, man. It's going to be a, you know, and I, that's one thing I, I know. Is Claudia's going to uh, bring bring a lot of heat. So, so I'm ready. I'm ready for a war. Is that something that you kind of yeah. are looking forward to because of the whole Ballard situation? Do you want to go in there and just have a war? Man, I love wars. Uh, like I'm a man that I love like chaotic fights. Uh, I love chaotic wrestling matches. I love chaotic jujitsu matches. I love to show. Um, my whole life I've been a competitor, and I, I love to be under the lights. And I compete best under the lights, and I compete the best when 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 it's chaotic. And um, um, the good thing is, is I fought Bellart last. Um, I uh, or two fights ago, and then I fought Kazbek in front of 15,000 people. And uh, maybe he wasn't as tough of a fight, but to have 15,000 uh, Kazakhstan people uh, yelling to kill me, to rip my head off, to everything, uh, it, it, it was it was pretty intense. So, um, yeah, How's your weight going? Man, uh, actually, my weight's really good. I'm about 10 pounds over right now. Um, uh, started about 143 this camp, but now I'm about one. Uh, 135, 136 after this last training. So I'll have, I'm just having a little breakfast, a little coffee, um, and then uh, get back to wrestling. And yeah, uh, but I'm about 10 pounds over. Not bad. Oh, that's not bad at all. We're what, have, two, have, two weeks out? No, but the thing is, I know I know Claudio's a big flyweight. So uh, uh, I'm expecting, I don't want to lose too much too early because um, I do want to keep some muscle on because I do know he, he's going to be a strong, strong flyweight. Uh, is there any concern in him missing weight? Because he said he's such a big flyweight. Uh, I, I don't think he. I don't think he's a, he's a professional man. He's fought 20, 20 fights, and I don't think he's gonna miss weight. Uh, at this point, he's got it down. Uh, like, yeah, at, at this point, he's got it down. He he made. Uh, I think he was under one twenty six the last fight. So all he has to do is lose a pound. That pound is hard sometimes for some people, but um, we'll see. Uh, he's got to travel, so I know he. Uh, we'll see how that affects him. But when you get down here, the humidity and everything. It's uh, you just get out there and just do a light little jump into that. She starts sweating immediately, so uh, I don't think it'll be a problem. That's the thing too, fighting for Titan FC is you, you're close to home. How is that fighting in your own backyard, being the and champion honestly, too? I'm I'm the champion, but like that's the biggest thing is last time I I think, uh, man, I had about a hundred people uh, all bought tickets last fight, like more than a hundred people, 150. Um, and uh, it's, uh, there's going to be a lot of people there uh, watching me defend, and uh, it's a lot of pressure. I, I honestly, I like fighting away away than 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 at home. So, uh, but uh, hey, man, like I said, I, I like the pressure. When when the pressure's on me, I just for some reason fight harder, fight crazier, uh, do crazier things. So, uh, hey, there's going to be a show. No, definitely, and uh, pressure makes diamonds. 
Well, uh, I don't want to take any more of your time. I know how busy you are. Titan FC 55, Claudia Ledesma is the opponent. June 28th, Juan, I'm super excited, brother. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I appreciate you taking time. No, I appreciate you having me, man. I thank you so much, and I wish you the best. And anytime, bro, anytime you're going to have me on, but I hope I can put on a show for you. No, for sure, but uh, next time you're going to have to come on after you, you win this fight and uh, bring that belt with you. Hell yeah, I'll bring that belt and, uh, and sign it up for you, but man, uh, I can't wait. Excellent, brother. Thank you again, and uh, I can't wait to talk to you some more. Excellent, bro. Thanks. Have, have a good one. Hey, this is John Fitch, and you're watching MMA Wreckage Radio. Whew, at this time, guys, we are going to break down one of the better cards. I think it was built up to be one of the better cards this year. It's UFC 238. Some will say it delivered. Some will say maybe it didn't quite deliver to the expectations. But here's what it is. Caitlin Kokajian defeated Joanne Calderon in the very first fight. She did that by unanimous decision. She had two judges score the fight 28-9 at 28, and she had one judge score at 30-27. Personally, I don't know what the 30-27 judge saw. I thought I saw more of a 29-28 fight. Although it was a good fight for both fighters, I think Caitlin Kokajian did do enough to win that fight. Uh, we'll see where she goes from here. So you really think that Kathleen won against Calderwood? Because at first I thought that Calderwood won the, I think the first one and the second one maybe, or the third one. I don't remember correctly, but you know, but Calderwood was kind of weird. She was cocking the, in the end of the third fight, you know, uh, the third the third round, you know. Yes. She was like uh, her hands down, moving, you know, with uh, doing some weird stuff with her tongue, and yeah, it was a close fight. It was a 29-28, but Kathleen, I think, won. Yeah, I, I, I will agree with you. Now, another uh, great performance was Eddie Wyland defeating Gregory Povoff with a second-round TKO. That was four minutes and 47 seconds into that round. It was a great TKO. Uh, Eddie Wyland looked good for, I mean, what is he now, like 37? God damn. Father time has not looked bad on him. Uh, Darian Stewart defeated Bevan Lewis by unanimous decision. The judges' scorecards Wait, read 29 28, 29 28, 30 27. Um, it, it, was the, it was the the fight that I, one of the fights I hated most to watch after the Francis Ngannou against Derek Lewis. It was so weak. Like, I don't want shit on fighters, but. God damn it, it was, uh, th this fight didn't deliver at all. And unfortunately, you heard that a lot, you know, I mean, uh, those, especially with those two, I think there was very high expectations for that fight when they matched yeah. those two up, and it just did not deliver. And, and like you said, Francis and Connor, Derek Lewis, another one of those huge potentials where that fucking fight could have been amazing, but yet just did not turn out to be what it should have been. Yeah, absolutely. Now... I'm going to butcher her name, so fuck it. Ziana Zian defeated Angela Hill. I mean, Angela Hill has just looked decent in her UFC run. Uh, all three judges saw the j scores, 29-28. Jan completely defeated her. I thought it was more like a 30-27, but it is what it is. If you want to talk about a complete destruction, though... Calvin Cater came out in less than, what was it, like 
for 53 seconds. And he completely broke Ricardo Lamas's jaw in two places. Did you see the pictures of this? Have you seen Lamas's yeah. x-rays? He yeah, broke the so, jaw in two fucking places. If you could fucking take Lamas's jaw completely out right now, like it is ridiculous what Calvin Cater did. That left right hook was amazing. It hit fucking Lamas on the button. It put him out. Obviously broke his jaw. I mean, I just want to take a second though. Hopefully Ricardo Lamas is gonna come back with a speedy recovery. I mean a broken jaw in two different places, that's got to take a second to heal, and then you're going to take some more punches to that because that's your profession. I mean, God damn, man. You've already taken enough damage. Maybe maybe we think about doing something other than fighting for a second. Let that yeah. heal up completely before we get back in there. I'm not a big fan of the bully llamas, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't wish him, like, injuries and stuff like that. Like, I don't hate him that much, but, you know. <laughs> Calvin really like a quick knockout, a quick TKO. Like it's always good, you know. He doesn't he doesn't get hurt. He he gets like a big a big win against a, a top ranked guy. Well, what's ranked uh, Ricardo Lamas? I don't think he's still in the top guy. I don't think he was in the top fifteen. Yeah, was but he? he was at some point in the top. So you know, oh, it's a big was, name. He was top five at one point. At one at one point he wanted to he wanted to fight to fight against uh, Connor. Maybe that's why I don't like him. Yeah, I was talking I... shit about Connor back day, back uh, back in the days. But you know, Kelvin looked good. Congratulations to him. Now Alexa Grasso defeated Carolina Kolkevich completely just outmatched her, bro. Thirty twenty seven. All three judges got the same on their scorecards. Just look like a completely outclassing performance by Alexa Grasso. Carolina Krivich had nothing for her. Yeah, I, and I was surprised Carolina didn't try to take the fight to the ground because Grasso's striking looked amazing. And we saw Carolina take the fight to the ground against uh, uh, Herrick, Felicia Herrick, I think. And she looked good when she, t she, took her, uh, she took her to the ground. But Alexa Grasso's striking... Like her boxing, the way she moved with her shoulders and stuff like that. Like you really feel that she's Mexican. You know, it's real Mexican boxing style, you know. And she looked amazing. She really did look. Orale, way. Yeah. Congratulations to her. And I she really want good. to fight this top, another, top guy, another top girls in the division. No, that division's completely stacked. Women's strawweight, I mean, they just look so good at this point. The strawweight looks good. Flyweight looks good. If they can figure out this featherweight division, they could have three, four strong divisions in the UFC for women. Aljamain Sterling defeated Pedro Munoz by unanimous decision. Aljamain looked very, very good in this performance. Pedro Munoz did not look like himself. I think the biggest problem for Pedro in this matchup was the reach of Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain Sterling just kept hitting him with those jabs. I mean, it was just so hard for uh, Pedro to get on the inside of him. Unlike Cody Garbrandt, who's a shorter fighter and who was able to just stand toe-to-toe, -to -toe, him and Pedro just went at it. He knocked Cody Garbrandt out. He wasn't able to just stand there and bang with Aljamain because Aljamain would one-two and move out of the way, one-two and move out of the way, one-two and move out of the way, and that's just how that entire fight went for three rounds. All three judges saw it 30-27. It was a complete one-sided performance for Aljamain Sterling. And I honestly think if he is not the next for Henry Cejudo and that Bantamweight title, I think you need to make 
an interim champion. I think he's ne he's next on the line. I think I really think that he's the next guy who should fight for the belt because he deserves it. Like he fought very well against Pedro Munoz. Uh, he's now maybe a rematch with Moraes before because maybe Cejudo will will have to defend his belt at flyweight before maybe if he wants to be a double a real double champ. But uh, yeah, that was a big W for Sterling because he really looked good against the top guys. Pedro Munoz is very dangerous, like you said. But you know, good, yeah, good big W for Sterling. So and for the next fight, it's your friend, right? Tatiana Suarez. Suarez, man. I was. Uh, it, it wasn't the performance I was expecting from Tatiana Suarez. She still went out there and beat Nina Ansaroff, nonetheless. She uh, beat her 29-28. All three judges had the same exact scorecard. Tatiana Suarez looked okay. Uh, her neck was hurt. I'm not making any excuses for her performance. I mean, it just definitely wasn't the Tatiana Suarez that we're used to. We're used to seeing her going in there and being the female version of Khabib and taking everyone the fuck out, taking them out, ground and pound, using that wrestling. It's, it's, that's, that's what it is. It's her wrestling is just on a completely different level. And when you look at all the champions in the UFC, a good handful of them, nine times out of 10 have great wrestling. Tatiana Suarez has amazing wrestling. So that's why I honestly think that she is one day going to be the strawweight champion of the world. Yeah. And uh, you know, when you see Connor, when you see Habib, like their path to become UFC champion, like, yes, they killed some guys in the road, but they had, they had, you know, some fights when they wasn't like at 100% healthy and they still won. Like Connor against Holloway, Khabib, I don't remember against who, but you know, there's a fight where he won by, by split decision and he cried after the decision. And it's this kind of win, you know, even when you, you're not 100% and you still get the win, like this is, you know, those fights are really good for your career. No, for sure. I mean, you can't go out there and just completely put a fucking mauling on every single opponent. Sometimes you need fights like this, and I think this is going to be a good learning experience for Tatiana Suarez, and I think we're going to see a better Tatiana Suarez next time she goes out there. Maybe we see a Tatiana Suarez with a more killer instinct. I mean, you yeah. want to sit here and downplay what this female can do, and she's going to sit there and show you what she can really actually do. Yeah, she would. Now, that's the end of the undercard. That was the, the, uh, the what was the prelims main event, Tatiana Suarez yeah. and Nina Ansaroff. So the very first fight of the main card was Lagoy Oivanov defeating Tai Tuivasa. And Tai Tuivasa just did not look like himself. I mean, it, I wasn't impressed by his performance at all. Yeah, I don't know if it's, you know, they, all the guy from uh, Samoa are, are like that. Maybe the exception of Holloway, but they—I they, really feel like they don't—they really don't give a fuck about if they win or lose. They just go there, you know, try their stuff. Doesn't try, you know, to get us a boring fight. But you know, but Ivanov—it's—it's it's his sec second fight in the UFC, right? Or third one? Or third one? The first one he lost against Dos Santos. This is his third fight. Third fight. So now he's in a two-fight winning streak, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, that's good because, you know, we, we had big expectation for him. A guy from AKA training with big guys like Cain Velasquez in DC. Like, we really want to see him against top guys. What do you think would be a good opportunity for next for Blagoy Ivanov? Mm. 
I believe right now he's 11 in the rankings. I would like to see him against like uh, Alexi Olenek, maybe uh, yeah. Shamil Abrakhim. Mav, where the fuck is that? I can't say his last name. I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> if I'm not wrong, Linick already have a fight scheduled. Yes, Linick, I believe. But for Tai Chu Ivasa, hear me out, hear me out. I Harris. know, no, listen, I know that Justin Willis was cut from the UFC. I get that. Yeah. But let's bring Break Pretty back and have him fight Tai Chu Ivasa. There's so much history. There's so much drama between these two. The fight sells itself. They're going to go in there and fuck each other up. They do not like each other. They've been talking shit on the internet for a very, very long time. Ever since Big Pretty fought Mark Hunt, they've had this back and forth. Let's see this fight yeah. finally come to fruition. Yeah, I don't, but, you know, like, don't, don't get too excited because I don't think the UFC would bring back a guy like they... They just left him, let him go. So I don't think they would bring yeah, him back. But I think it was more of a Yair Rodriguez situation because he didn't want to fight against someone. Yeah, I mean the the guys on a what he's he's four and one in the UFC in their heavyweight division. How do you get rid of somebody who's won four fights and he's only lost one fight to Curtis Blaze? How do you how, well, how do you justify cutting somebody but you have so many heavyweights that are below him? I I I don't have a, like a good reason to give you because for me it doesn't make sense. Even to Elias Teodoro getting cut doesn't make sense. But let's talk about the winner. And you said someone, uh, maybe a guy like Volkov or like I think he should stay ready if there's an opportunity. Like for a, do he he need to step in in a big fight and really win because. Yes, we MMA, like, you know, we MMA fi real fans, like, we, we know him, we know the potential he has, but it, he still needs a big W in the UFC to really make his name, you know. Known. I think Volkov would make sense. He's coming off of a loss and an injury that made him withdraw from a, a fight. I think that makes sense. I, I honestly, if you lose a fight, you should uh, fight back. If you win a fight, you should fight up. Yeah, even uh, Blade, uh, Razor, uh, if he, he wants to fight against... Uh, I think he's just too... He's, he's, top got, he's got a fight. Oh, he already got a fight? So, yeah, maybe. But yeah. he So, he needs to stay ready for if someone gets hurt or, you know, I really... Because he needs more fights in the UFC, he needs more W. We need to forget that he lost to Dos Santos in his first fight. Because, for me, it's still in my head that he lost his first fight against Dos Santos. And what the fuck, Dana White? Why would you bring a guy and give him Dos Santos for his first UFC fight? Like, doesn't make sense. Why Why do you want to destroy him? It's like Ben Askren giving giving him Robin Lauder in his first fight. Like, you want people to hate him if he loses. It's, it's weird. No, for sure. But Peter Yan went in there or Petcher, Jan, however you want to say it. I've heard so many yeah. different pronouncements. Jan defeated Jimmy Rivera. Uh, it was a great fight by Jan, honestly. He went in there and just outclassed Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy Rivera looked very flustered when it came to Jan and what his output was. I mean, Jan's got great boxing. He dropped Rivera a couple times. I honestly think in, I believe it was the first round, if there was 10 yeah. more seconds on that round, Jimmy Rivera yeah. would have been put out. Yeah, absolutely. And for Rivera, like I think he need to take some time off and to think because 
uh, ever since he lost to Moraes and he lost, you know, his uh, it was his first loss. He don't look the same. He's not scary. He doesn't put pressure like he he used to. And uh, he needs to take some time off and really think on his, and work on his game plan when it comes to fights and stuff like that. Because at what some point, what about Jimmy Rivera versus John Dodson? Like that that was the fight before the, the fight before this one or what or what? No, have a matchup one more time. One more time? Yeah, but so you you want to do what? You know, the loser leave or what? Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's like I don't know if you give him Dotson again. Uh I, I think that he needs to Thomas take some time. Right, right, right now. No, I think he needs to take some time off and you know work on his. Uh, well, fuck it. I was trying to get him a fight while he just wants me to go sit home. He, but sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good. You need to, to take some time off sometimes because you know Sterling right now is on a big winning streak and Jan looked terrific. When I said that Sterling deserved a title fight, I forgot about Jan. Jan may have may have a big. Uh, Opportunity to have a title shot before Sterling, or they had to fight between uh, fight between them. I think the fact that he's Russian, I think it would pull him up, and we'll discuss that a little bit later when it comes to the whole Jessica Andrade title situation. Yeah. But I think Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling is the next matchup to make. They both fought right on this fight. They're both healthy enough to go on. I think that is a perfect matchup to make. The winner fights Henry for the title. <clears throat> Yeah, that makes sense. That really makes sense. Or you have, you know, a Cody who fight again, or you have, uh, who know, maybe uh, Cruz will come back. I don't know. What, do we have some news about Dominic Cruz's health? I believe that he got re-injured yet again like six, seven months ago. I'm not too sure. I mean, every time I feel like we hear a fight announced, we hear he backs right out. Yeah. yeah. Or there's little rumblings that, hey, Cruz might fight. Nah, Cruz got injured again. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of suck. Yeah, kind of, yeah At this point, it's uh, like, it's not even like uh, you don't get angry. Angry, you get sad. Yes, but him. speaking of kind of sucked, Tony Ferguson defeated Cowboy Cerrone by TKO, Dr. Stoppage in the second round. It was an unfortunate situation just because of how the second round played out. At the end of the second round, if you did not watch the fight, Tony Ferguson clearly hit Donald Cerrone with the right hand after the bell. You heard the bell. You heard the referee say stop. You saw Tony Ferguson swing that right hand and connect right on Donald's nose. Now, let me emphasize that. He landed on his nose. Now, Donald Cerrone goes back into the corner. He has a huge fucking broken orbital bone on his right eye. So, he blows his nose, which is the number one thing you do not do if you have a broken nose because blood's going to rush somewhere else. So yeah. the blood rushed to his broken orbital bone, which made the swelling completely close his eye. The doctors came in and stopped the entire fight. You can see that obviously Donald Cowboy Cerrone was completely disappointed, but also Tony Ferguson was disappointed. That was not the way he wanted to win that fight. I think he wanted to make more of a statement to prove that, hey, I'm back, I'm here. I am the lightweight champion of the world, and he wasn't able to prove that. Yeah, watching the fight, did you 
uh, did you felt that Tony Ferguson was really angry? Because I really felt that, you know, when the judge uh, get, tried to raise his hand, he was really pissed off. Like, he was so angry that he even punched Cowboy after the belt. Like, he wasn't him. Like, I would not say he wasn't himself, but he... He's, he was really mad. Like I really feel that he didn't like the fact that you know some personal personal stuff got you know public, and uh, he was like here to really prove that I'm a bad motherfucker, and he did. Like because when you see the fight, you don't feel that that Tony like striked very much like you know the double more than Cowboy. But even though he, he's, you know, he hit him more, but the power, the, the, the big thing is the power. And Tony have big powers. Even with the jab, he can, you know, close you, <laughs> fuck your knee and your nose up, your eye up. And he, he really, really, really looked dangerous mm -hmm. in the fight. Like it was really scary because like when you see the two fighters, yes, it could have been even a five round fight, but Cowboy's face looked fucked up and Tony looked fresh after the fight. No, he looked good. I mean, uh, and I'm the biggest Tony Ferguson hater. So yeah. you sit here and say that he's on a roll and he's doing his thing. I mean, he's really doing his fucking thing. I'm not going to sit there and say someone doesn't deserve something when they definitely deserve it. And Tony Ferguson deserves that next shot at the winner of Khabib versus Dustin Poirier. Really does. You really need that because you know, we, we need that. Khabib need that, Tony need that, McGregor need that, the lightweight division need that, we all need that because if we don't have this fight, we will always have the, you know, the big question, what if, what if, because stylistically, he's the only guy who can, you know, have something that can really put uh, Khabib in danger. Well, you know, one thing that was not needed on Saturday night, Waleed? That what? was a bulletproof vest for Miss Jessica I because if yeah, you wear a bulletproof we... vest, guess what? They could still shoot you in the head. Mountain yeah. did just that. After repeated body shots to the midsection, Valentina Shevchenko decided to take one up high, and she cleaned Jessica I's clock. I have never seen any female be as devastatingly knocked out as Jessica I was knocked out on Saturday night. She was down for, I want to say, about three minutes after the fight. Valentina Shevchenko literally looked like she hit her with a baseball bat. Yeah, Valentina is too dangerous, man. She's, you know, there's levels in, in this game. And Jessica is a good fighter, really good fighter. But She's very Shevchenko, good. Yeah, but Shevchenko is just, you know, that championship material. Like, she's a real champion. Like You, we want, saw, you want to hear the she, scariest part? Yeah. Is Jessica I was probably the best competitor slash contender that Valentina is going to face for a second. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I really We've think that. We've interviewed UFC flyweights on this fucking show, and they've said, I don't want to fight Valentina Shevchenko. We're talking about a girl on a four-fight win streak. Yeah, nobody does. And, you know, Valentina is the only girl who took Amanda to the to decision, and I still think that she won against against Amanda. Because she can take punches and she can throw punches back and she can take you to to the ground and she she, she want to get look, listen she went to decision against Amanda the the greatest maybe striker in the UFC maybe it's Holly Holm and she and she won against her like well she, I mean she, at, she, at this point if you look at resumes I think you would have to say that Amanda Nunez is the greatest 
UFC female fighter of all time based on resume. Yeah. Valentina Shevchenko is the only person that's made her look human. Yeah, she is. Think about that. Ronda Rousey got fucked off. Misha Tate got fucked off. Cyborg fucked off. Valentina Shevchenko is the only person that's made her even look normal. Normal. Yeah. And for me, like it's 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 kind of like you know number one and number two. For me, I really think Shevchenko is number two. If Amanda Nunes is number one right now, I, I think really that's, think it's one A and one B. I think that's more of an appropriate yeah. stance. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's more like that because they fought and Shevchenko looked very good against her. If you ask me right now, it's one one Valentina Nunes. I think Nunes clearly won the first fight. I think if it would probably two rounds, Valentina maybe would have won that fight. And then if you look yeah. at the second fight, I really think Valentina won that fight. I honestly do. If you go back and watch that fight, guys, you go back and watch it over and again. What I like to do when I'm trying to really pay attention to fights is I watch it with no commentary. So I don't hear the fans. I don't hear fucking Joe and the guys talking about oohs and yeah. ahs and shit. I just watch the fights. In doing that, man, I, I, I've scored it for Valentina Shevchenko multiple times. I did. Even the first time when I watched it, I thought that Shevchenko won. Like for me, it's obvious. For me, she did enough to win. But, you know. Valentina uh, Shevchenko is the flyweight champion of the world. She is the queen of that division. I don't know what's next for her in that division. Um, uh, Caitlin Kokavich, I mean, I would be worried if I was one of these girls that had to face Valentina Shevchenko. I would be very, very worried because, you know, I think that her title reign will be like kind of, you know, like Ronda Rousey at first. Like she, she they are not on her level right now. But Valentina is such a more well-rounded version of Valentina, of Ronda. And she's yeah, yeah, more, I know. She's a more well-rounded version to Joanna. Joanna was yeah. a great striker. Uh, Ronda was a great game. ground person. But Valentina yeah. Shevchenko is good everywhere. Yeah, she can take you to the ground and submit you. Like, she has good thing like Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez can stand up and bang with you, but she'll submit you because she's a black belt also. Yeah, that's great. Like they are, I think they are the real two great MMA fighters in 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 the female uh, like uh, so for the female. Do you just have Shevchenko fuck off a couple more flyweights and then challenge? her again i mean what do we what 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 what's the real options here because i think the only person that i really am interested to see a matchup in at this point is amanda nunes yeah i i, I think that's it but amanda next fight is against holly right yes and that's then big... there's supposed to be a rematch with cyborg possibly yeah so i think that uh shevchenko will kind of wait for uh, amanda by killing two or three girls in the division while Amanda will try to prove that she is the, the top, she's the queen of the female, you know, in, in, in the female MMA world by beating up uh, uh, Holly Holmes and after that Cyborg, like you said. But, you know, it, what if, you know, Cyborg can't not fight and, you know, you know we, have, we have to put Shevchenko back well, again. Felicia Spencer is fighting Cyborg here at UFC 240. That's the last fight on Cyborg's contract. Okay. So yeah. she has no more fights on that contract. So we could possibly be seeing Cyborg for the last time in the UFC. Yeah, there are rumors that Cyborg is leaving. There are Scott, big Scott, Scott Coker himself has already t- sent out a tweet and said, hey, hit me up when you're free. 
Yeah, because you know <laughs> they they always he's always there trying to bring some UFC fighters. But he's, him, always, he's already had that relationship with her from Strike Force too. Though. Yeah, yeah. He, I he, mean, he, realistically, he, Scott Coker is the one that made Cyborg what she is today. If you really want to break it down, yeah, he's the he's the first guy who gave you know the big you know big big you know big events for female fighters. You know, at Strike Force, it wasn't the UFC. It was him. It was him having uh, Misha Tate against Ronda Rousey at first. No, for sure. But uh, let's talk about this championship performance from Henry Cejudo. Now, let's talk about his injury first because he was injured. Yes, yes. He, yeah. for some reason, stepped on a crack in a mat, twisted his ankle up. It was fucking black and blue. I've seen the pictures that they posted after the fight. It was a bad, bad, bad sprain. They wrapped his ankles. He has splints on, as you guys seen. He's never done that before in a fight. He went out yeah. there in the first round, got completely outmatched by Marlon Moraes. Marlon Moraes looked like he was going to win this fight by a landslide. Now, they went in there. They made an adjustment. Henry Cejudo said, you know what, bro? I'm going to stop fucking point fighting you, and we're going to brawl. And he went in there, and he just took it to Marlon, and Marlon could not handle it. Once he stopped trying to stand outside and strike with Marlon, and he just started brawling with Marlon, Marlon could not handle the speed and the power that Henry Cejudo has. Let's just think about this, okay, for a second. Henry Cejudo just became a double champion. He used zero wrestling. He's an Olympic gold medal wrestler, bro. His wrestling is top-notch. He is the best wrestler that we might have in the UFC. He is definitely the best in the smaller divisions. He is one of the more scarier double champs that you can think of because he could probably actually defend both titles. Yeah, he can. Because we don't have Demetrius Johnson in the, in the flyweight division, he really can defend his belt at flyweight. And at bantamweight, I think the big challenge will be at bantamweight because I think that in flyweight you have only maybe a fight against Joseph Benavides, maybe. Other other than that, who I think that who makes sense fight? the Benavides matches because they've already fought before and he lost to Benavides. So Benavides, in my eyes, is do a title shot against Henry Soto because yeah. he's the only person that has a victory over Henry since he lost to DJ. Yeah. And so, other but other than that, I think he will vacate his title, or the 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 the, the division will uh, will sh shut will be shut down because I don't feel that there are other fighters coming up in this division who can really be champion. Like no, to be sure. fair, but now let's take a second. Now for the pound for pound rankings, do you think Henry has done enough to cement himself in the top three? No. Really. In the top no. three? No. Uh, in the top three, maybe, but be the the number one guy, I don't feel that. I don't think that. he could outroot DC or John Jones right now. Honestly, yeah. He yeah. might be behind those two guys. Oh, Khabib. I think Khabib oh, deserves Khabib, to be. yes. You have a good Amanda Nunes. Or Amanda. Amanda. Or Amanda. Okay, so top five. We'll, we'll put Henry at five. Yeah. DC, yeah. Jones, Khabib. Amanda Henry. There's your pound yeah, for pound I don't list. Know, maybe Usman, MMA I think records Usman, official pound for pound list. Go fuck yeah, yourselves. Usman's W against uh, Woodley, I think it's bigger than... Very impressive. Yeah, it's bigger than Cejudo not really winning for me against Dimitri. Hey, 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 hey. 
His name is Triple well, C. You call him Triple C. Yeah, I call him Triple C or Triple D <laughs> or whatever the, or whatever you want to call him. But for me, against Demetrius Johnson, it was a close fight and he didn't win. And Marlon Moraes is not really the top guy in the Bantamweight division. So for me, like he, he is just in the right place at the right, at the right time. For me, like we still need to see him defend, and then maybe we will talk about you know pound for pound. But for now, he's not number one or number two or not even number three in the pound for pound, uh, you know, ranking. Nonetheless, it was a great performance. Uh, and still the white glasses, bro. Still with the white glasses, the coach. He's got it, bro. He's got to rock those, bro. Those things are sweet. Those are the lucky charms right there. It's the whole reason why they're champ champs. Yeah, I really feel that they are the lucky charm. But uh, we will get into some more UFC after this. We have a quick station identification, and then Chase Hopper is going to join us for a second. But uh, stay tuned, guys. We have some more MMA Wreckage Radio on the way. Hi, guys. It's Becky with Nadi187 Custom, and you're watching MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys. At this time, I have what it would be safe to say an MMA prospect slash prodigy, the teenage dream. Chase Hopper, how you doing? Uh, not too bad. Just kind of um, working on my diet, training hard, getting ready for the fight. So it's been kind of a whirlwind. Uh, you had your contender series fight in your fourth, fifth fight, and uh, you fought once since after that. Tell me, what was that call, getting the contender series call to say that you were going to get a shot at a contract? What was that like for you? Uh, it was an amazing opportunity. And because, uh, what, last year, the year before, I was fighting for like 500 and 500. So to go from fighting for that money to fighting for 5000 5000 was super cool. Um, and it was like the biggest opportunity I've ever had, so it's cool. Yeah, you went in there and you showcased your talent. Uh, he had you rocked in the first round for a second. He landed some clean shots on you, and you showed a very good chin. Is that something that you've been able to work through in your fight so far? Yeah. I can definitely make guys tired by letting them beat me up, but uh, that's definitely not the goal. Yeah, um, no Justin Gaethje aspirations. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's good to have a in the back pocket, but it's not my game plan. That's for sure. Now, uh, Titan FC has given you a huge opportunity with uh, Luis Gomez, their former champion. Uh, what was it like getting this opportunity? Uh, I don't know. At this point, it's just like I'm taking every fight that I can and. Um, because now all my fights go through UFC Fight Pass, yes. so it's kind of just, you know, on to the next one. Um, yeah, I'm glad I could get a fight uh, pretty quickly after my last one was supposed to be. The guy pulled out literally the day before I was going to fly out there, so it was nice to get one another, like, month after, so. No, definitely. And Titan FC is a great organization. We've been doing work with them for a couple of cards down they definitely take care of their guys they have guys coming from all over the world they're very diverse they got different guys from all over the country yeah professional so far from what i've you know been working with them now you have a ufc contract but it's a developmental contract can you kind of explain that to people that don't understand what it is so it's kind of uh like the promotion or whatever pays me whatever they want to pay me and the ufc will kind of make up the difference but it's more just to get me like experience and like to get me up to that ufc level um like giving me time to develop 
and then they can kind of develop me um, like media wise and while I try to develop my skills. Now, you're very young. I mean, you got tickets in the series opportunity at 18. You're, what, 19 now? Yeah. So what is that like for you? I mean, you just graduated high school, barely. Uh, it's great. Um, I always wanted to be able to say that I, like, never really had to have a real job, and that's kind of how it's worked out. Um, I get to, like, train all day and then take a nap if I want. And, like, it's great. I can, you know take care of everything I need and uh, not to worry about anything. It's great. Now tell me, what brought you into mixed martial arts? Uh, my dad actually um, worked with my coach. They used to work at a machine shop together and my coach was training like the whole time. Um, and he decided to open a gym like right in 2008 when all this stuff like financially was happening. And then uh, like they laid off both my dad and my coach at the same time. Um, so my coach kind of went full, like, 100% into the gym, and uh, my dad brought me in there and then started me training, so. How long have you been training? Uh, at least 10 years at this point. I started when I was, like, 8, so probably coming up, coming up on 11 pretty quick. Damn. And you're, what, a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah. Okay. So how uh, do you do uh, gi competitions or anything like that? Yeah, I did uh, gi competitions up until like a year or two ago, just kind of because the stakes were getting too much. Uh, like I'd rather get paid to get hurt than uh, pay for a jiu-jitsu tournament to win like a medal or something and hurt myself. No, for sure. And I mean, you're, you're highly ranked. Tapology has you the number one Pacific Northwest active professional featherweight. You're the number 15 U.S. West. You're the number 26 in the United States. I mean, that's, that's huge accolades for someone that's only 19 years old. Yeah, I don't know. I've definitely trained with some of the other higher-level guys. I don't know if I deserve the number one spot, but uh, it's definitely cool. How long do you think you're going to be in this developmental stage? Uh, Well, as you can kind of see with this fight, um, UFC kind of handpicked this fight for me, so... It seems like they want to test me a little bit. I'd say if all goes well, maybe uh, maybe my next fight won't be uh, on Fight Pass. Maybe it'll be on uh, ESPN, so we'll see. Now, have you had any opportunities to look at your opponent, Luis Gomez? Uh, well, a lot of his fights are on Fight Pass, so I'm able to see those. Um, and yeah, we've been able to kind of study him and see what his record's like, all that. Yeah, he lost at the last Titan FC against Herbert Burns. It was a quick uh, match for him. I believe he stepped in last minute to take the opportunity. Uh, he's a tough guy, obviously. He's their former champion. Um, they're definitely, definitely giving you a great test. And the UFC's got to be keeping an eye, a close eye on this fight for you. For sure. Um, well, they have us throwing the first pitch out at the Marlins game, so I'm sure they uh, they know what they're doing with it. That's awesome. So what is that whole opportunity like? Have you ever played baseball or anything like that? Uh, I don't know if I've ever thrown a baseball in my life. So. Oh, like no shit. So it, it's a big opportunity. So the first time you're going to throw a baseball is in front of thousands of people on live yeah. television. I'll try to do it once or twice before. No pressure, bro. <laughs> hey, it can't be any worse than that lady that was a couple weeks ago. She hit the person that was taking the picture in the head. 
Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if I do that. Hey, you could make Sports Center. I mean, that's any publicity is good publicity, right? So for sure, at this point, I mean, we're just trying to get your name out there. <laughs> so your last fight, you went in there, you quick work of the guy. Um, or sorry, wait, this has your draw. No, no, no. My last fight was for Island Fights. That yes. Quick, yeah. I don't know if that one's on there. Yeah, I don't know why it got all weird on me. It like it had it on there a second ago. I just seen it. But uh, tell me a little bit about the Islands fight. Uh, well, I fought a strip club DJ, and uh, hmm. he was a like, disc guy. Um, another, uh, he had a pretty solid grappling background, but I'd say I never felt like I was in any danger at all. I felt like I was still controlling it the whole time. I kind of just went out there stuck with the game plan kind of went to the ground and then uh i got some pretty good highlight stuff off of that so and then like you were just talked about you had a fight in uh may with chris coggins and that pulled out last minute what happened with that situation uh i'm pretty sure from what i heard he said he had a back injury but it was fight week um literally the day before i was supposed to leave so it's kind of up for debate whether or not that was uh, legitimate or if it was something else he was scared to lose to a 19-year-old kid. I mean, it's definitely kind of a... I can see that side of it, for sure. Definitely. I mean, I'm 30 years old. If I was a professional MMA fighter and you came in there with my ass, I'd, my ego would be hurt. I'd be like, damn, this 18-year-old kid just beat me. <laughs> no, for sure, though. But it's definitely a huge opportunity for you. Uh, like I said, Titan FC is the feeding system for the UFC. They literally have contracts with their fighters to where if you get a call from Zufa, you can break their contract. It's one of the only organizations that I've actually seen do that. A lot of organizations try to keep their fighters locked in to where they are got a quote-unquote Zufa out. You're already there, though. You've already made the show. You're just waiting on getting your ticket to there. So one more fight, Luis Gomez. That's what's next. Titan FC fifty five. How do you feel like you're gonna finish this fight? Uh, I feel like as far as finishing, it's gonna be a quick fight for sure. It's gonna be real exciting. He's definitely like a. From what I've seen, he's not a guy that uh, kind of like Peter Patters. He goes out there, and I'm definitely a guy that goes out there as well. Um, I'm gonna say if it goes to the ground, I'll finish it pretty quick. Um. That's definitely the uh, definitely the goal. Get out of there quick, as you, little damage as possible. Do you feel you have an advantage over him on the ground? For sure, he's a he's a judo guy, which means that he has a pretty solid top game, I'd say. But they're not necessarily on the ground that often. And are you mostly a grappler? most of your fights that I've seen, it's a lot of grappling. I'd say that's my strong suit. That's where I like to stay. Um, less damage. I get to look better the day after. and then. Uh, <laughs> it's always nice, right, for taking nice. pictures? Yeah. No black eyes. <laughs> no cuts. Right. So uh, what do you like outside of the cage? What do you like to do for fun? I mean, you're still a teenager, man, so what do you do? Uh, oof. I live a pretty boring life. Um, I train all day, I swim, do yoga sometimes, 
Uh, a big hobby of mine is like binge eating. Uh, I play video games sometimes and watch Netflix, I guess. So, uh, fighting a featherweight and uh, binge eating, how does that work out? Uh, I definitely have to taper it off <laughs> when I start dieting. Yeah. What is uh, what are your some of your snacks that you like to get in? I like to go out and eat a lot. Yeah. Like uh, like go to go to Olive Garden and shit. Oh, nice, nice, nice! All you can eat pasta and breadsticks. Yeah, all about those breadsticks. Right, man. Those breadsticks are a killer. <laughs> For those of you on the East Coast that don't know about these breadsticks, they're ridiculous. But uh, I'm definitely uh, super excited for this matchup here coming up. I'm going to let you go because I know you're super busy, man. Uh, a quick moment to give a shout-out to any sponsors, anything like that, friends that have helped you along your journey, anything that's helped you prepare your MMA life. Uh, TTRL Industries um, is probably my main sponsor. They kinda, uh, they're mainly like a jiu-jitsu brand, but they keep me... Uh, they keep me geared up and stuff, so shout out to those guys. And uh, to all my teammates and stuff helping me get ready for this fight. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be here without them, so. And then where can the fans find you on social media? So Instagram's probably where I'm the most active. Um, at C-H-O-O-P-556. Uh, Twitter, Chase underscore Hooper. That's about it. All right, guys. Well, there you go. You heard it from the prospect, the prodigy himself, the teenage dream, Chase Hooper. Thank you for joining us, man. Like I said, it's Luis Gomes, Titan FC 55. That's June 28th. That's Friday, guys, not a Saturday card. But uh, we will be watching, man, and all eyes are on you because you're definitely the future of this sport. Yeah, thank you. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, we'll have you on again after you take care of Luis, and we'll definitely uh, keep an eye on you and continue to watch you grow throughout your UFC journey. All right, thanks. Have a good one, man. Yeah, you too. Appreciate it. My name is Vicente Luque, and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys, at this time, we're going to be introducing a new little segment. We've kind of been doing this with our outros the last couple of weeks, but now me and Marlene have decided to just make it a full-blown fucking segment. So we're going to do some MMA current events. Some of the current events that have been popping up lately, especially this past couple of weeks, is Jessica Andrade has actually been scheduled to defend her, what was that, a uh, goddamn strawweight title against Wei Li Zhang in China. Now, I talked about Jan possibly getting a title shot next, and I talked about we would discuss it a little later. Now, yeah. I could see him getting a title shot if he, the, if the fight is in Russia. It makes sense. The only reason Wei Li Zhang is getting this title shot is because this matchup is going to take place in China, and they needed a main event for China, and this makes sense. You give them one of their own. Of course they're going to go in there and cheer for Wei Li Zhang. Amanda Nunez, I think, or sorry, Jessica Andrade, I think this is way too much for her right now, Wei Li Zhang, that is. I think Wei Li Zhang needs maybe one more fight before she got Jessica. I feel like they're kind of throwing her to the wolves. I feel like they're giving Jessica an easy out. But she's fighting in uh, in her country, right? Yes. 
Yeah, and I don't like that. I don't really like that because it reminds me of a, a, so, a soccer game because at one time, South Korea, you know, in Japan, they organized the World Cup. And Italia, it's a big team, and, they, and they, there was a match against South Korea. And believe me, the referee was mm-hmm. at 100% with South Korea and South Korea won, which was one of the biggest robbery in the history of soccer. So I really feel that... Jessica needs to finish her because a fight in China with the Chinese judges and shit like that, I don't want her to go to decision. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something you've got to think about because that's a shitty situation to lose your belt. And... Yeah, I really, I, I'm, I'm really scared for her. And for, like, to be fair, do you, did you, do you feel that she really deserves a title fight? No, I mean, honestly, I thought. You could have waited a couple months for Tatiana Suarez, figured out her next situation, and let her have that title shot. Or even Karate Hottie's ready. Karate Hottie, you can give her Joanna, who already defeated her. You can give her even like even Grasso for me, maybe may may deserve more. No, for sure. But and, I, I, it's just a crazy situation. I think I really honestly think the only reason she's getting this title shot is because it's in China. If it wasn't in yeah. China, she wouldn't be getting it. It's the only reason. For sure. What else we got today, though? So, we have the Bellator. Ooh, we have the Bellator fights tonight. That's right, Bellator 222, live from Madison Square Garden. We have the Welterweight Grand Prix semifinal. Ooh, Rory McDonald versus Gracie. Should be Fitch against Gracie. Shouldn't be Rory. Hey, I talked to John Fitch this week. He's in New York. He's there as an alternative. He said if something happens, he's going to go in there and step in. He's going to take out whoever he has to fight. That's And that's the way it should be, you know? And uh, Because he really deserves to be in the fight. Like, he really deserves to be in the place of Rory McDonald. No, me. definitely. And, and Rory doesn't want to hurt people. So, I mean, might as well throw John Fitch in there because he's always down to hurt somebody. Machida yeah. versus Sonnen, that's going to be a good fight. I mean, I feel like you should have done it about six years ago in the UFC, but... Oh, well, at least we're going to see it now. That's the good I, thing about Sonnen. He's fighting everyone. Like, like they said sometimes that, yeah, he didn't fight against Silva. He fought against Silva. They said he didn't want, he didn't want to fight against Ortiz. He fought against Ortiz. And now he's fighting against Machido. He fought John Jones also. Yeah, he fought, yeah. He fought John Jones. He fought even Fedor. Like, Chael Sonnen with his, like, with his mouth, he can really fight everybody. Because yes. of his trash talk. Like, I, I really love the guy. For me, he's a, he's, he may be the best at what he does. No, for sure. I mean, he definitely goes in there and he can get himself a matchup just with his mouth alone. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about Dylan Dennis? His jiu-jitsu game is perfect. His striking game, eh. I really like the guy. I think he's charismatic. I think he brings he a lot to the table. I think if you put him on a winning streak, people are going to tune in because he's it, one situation with MMA and one thing that you have to have with MMA. You have to have either people that love you and you have to have people that hate you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which one. You could either you could either have someone they could all fucking love you, or they could all hate yeah. you. Colby does something great. He has everybody hate him. But guess what? Everybody buys Colby's fight because they want to see Colby lose. Everybody is going to turn into doing. To Dylan Dennis's fights because they want to see Dylan Dennis lose, and he is doing something to promote himself that other people aren't paying attention to. He doesn't give a fuck whether you like him or hate him. All he cares about is you watch his fight so he gets paid more. 
I, I don't really agree with you when you say that Colby have people hate him. Only people hate him. I like him. People like Colby. He's the best. He is the welterweight champion. What are you saying when you say Col the people don't love Colby? Colby. Everybody loves Colby. Oh, here the fuck we go again with fucking <laughs> Colby Covington's dick inside Waleed's mouth. Bro, I was at UFC 235. Yet again, we're going to discuss this here on this show. I watched fucking the true welterweight king fucking Kamaru Usman go in there put a molly wamping on Tyrone Woodley like I told him he was gonna do a year ago in a March fucking hotel in Las Vegas he went in there and did the goddamn thing he's gonna do the same goddamn thing to your boy Colby Covington here as soon as they get matched up I can't wait for this fight to happen so you can shut the fuck up Woodley was or wasn't he injured in his hand uh yes he did get injured he had surgery that's all I have to say <laughs> it was after the Usman fight. What I have to say, brother. Okay. The real champ is Colby. Listen. USA, motherfucker. Now, Bellator has a little deal with uh, who the fuck? Risen. They send fighters back and forth. They sent Darian Caldwell yeah. to Risen a couple of months ago to fight Kuji Horiguchi. And uh, he wasn't able to last very long against Horiguchi. Horiguchi submitted him up against the ring. But Darren Caldwell is going to get his opportunity for redemption. And he is going to get Horiguchi this time in a cage. And it's going to be at Bellator 222. And it's going to kick off the main card. It's a pretty good card. I'm pretty excited for this. Dylan Dennis is on the goddamn main card. But Aaron Pico is on the prelims. Tell me how that works out. Pico's on the prelims. Hardy's on the prelims. You got Loretta and the girl from fucking Hooters on the prelims. Yeah, the, 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 the boxer, the former boxer. I really like her because she brings some good stuff in the cage. But, you know, when you said that Dylan Dennis is in the main card, at least... He is a martial artist. In the UFC, we had CM Punk on the, in, the, in the main card, and we didn't say shit. Like, we said some stuff, you know, but, you know. I said all kinds of shit, bro. Get the fuck out of here. It's, you know, let it pass. I said, so, I said it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it, did. it didn't make sense fight-wise, but it made sense money-wise. Business-wise, that shit completely made sense. Yeah. So uh, let's, I want to talk to you about, I want to go back to boxing and let's talk about Joshua. Do you think that Joshua will be back? And do, do Joshua really have a chance against Wilder? I've, I've heard they've already signed the Ruiz rematch and they're looking to book it in London and Ruiz wants like $25 million to go over there to fight him. Give the money yeah. his money. Uh, Fury fights tomorrow night. I'm excited yep. for that fight. Uh, Wilder, I think Wilder Fury 2 is the matchup to make. There's a draw in the first fight. I think that's really the matchup to make it this time. You have to rebook Ruiz versus Joshua now. I do have a little tournament. Ruiz versus Joshua. The winner gets fucking the winner of Wilder Fury 2. Yeah, but we, we wanted to see Wilder against uh, Joshua at first. But now that we saw that Joshua's jaw is not that strong and we see that wider at top hey well Meaning, speaking of jaws neither is ricardo lamas i'm really afraid for joshua i'm really afraid in the fight against wider i'm really afraid no for sure but uh 
we will uh, discuss some more current events next week. Tune into that Bellicle card. Tune into that Fury card this weekend. Uh, some good fights since we don't have any UFC. But uh, we'll talk to you guys in a little bit. Some quick station identification. A nice little interview, and we'll be back in a second. Hey, this is Lex McMahon, the CEO of Titan FC, and you are listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. And joining me at this time is one of the, I think, fastest rising prospects in the game. Your boy, Eric Anders, is here with us. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing awesome, man. So? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. I know in your last outing, we, uh, we kind of got that L from uh, Khalil Roundtree. Tell me what you took from that whole experience. Uh, man, I don't think there's any kind of to it, man. You know, I think we uh, we took a big L. But, you know, I, I think that um, for me the biggest thing was is, you know, everybody talks about, you know, the different fighter that he was and, you know, the new technique and whatnot. But, you know, from watching his other fights and then being there with him, the thing that I noticed the, the biggest change it was, was his mental aspect, was yes. his uh, mental game. I agree. So, um, man, I actually, uh, you know, got in contact with him and, and uh, Julian Marquez uh, and uh, went and saw the same hypnosis that he saw. And, uh, man, just seeing awesome results. And, uh, man, really looking forward and chomping at the bit to get back in there uh, here at the end of the month. Uh, who we Do we have a date set? Uh, June 29th in uh, Minneapolis. And we have an opponent. Venetius Moreira. Yes, and you were replacing an injured Roman Dalides. I messed it yeah, up. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, but uh, when did that whole fight materialize for you? Um, not not long after the Roundtree fight. You know, I think I fought uh, Roundtree about two months ago now, and um, you know, probably the week after the fight, they they called me said uh, Roman got hurt, and uh, man, you know, the UFC knows who to call when when they need uh, a new replacement. So. You know, um, you know, you already know. I said yes. So. Exactly. Your first time at light heavyweight was actually a, a last-minute replacement. Um, do you feel like the UFC obviously has a covenant in you? Do you feel like that's a good thing for yourself to always be prepared and ready? Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, uh, when I fought Thiago Santos, you know, that was a, a fight of the night, main event. You know, those are just opportunities that you can't afford to turn down, you know. Uh, you know, even though I lost, I think my stock went up uh, just because of how I fought him. Uh, I think I've put on the best performance against him at light heavyweight uh, in his three light heavyweight fights. So, you know, um, you know, I can compete at this weight class. You know, I think I'm, I'm better suited for, for middleweight. But, you know, I get in where I fit in. Where do you feel like you're going to stay for the more of your career? Are you just going to wherever it is, whoever accepts the fight? Yeah, you know, uh, they call me with the name and the weight, and if I have enough time, you know, it'd be 85. You know, short notice is, you know, it's it's, it's way harder to make 85 on short notice than it is 205. So um, I think, uh, you know, to move up the ranks and, and, you know, win the belt, which is the ultimate goal, uh, is to have a better chance at, uh, at 85. How do you feel you stack up against those top contenders at 85, say the Israel Adesanya's, the Calvin Gastelum's, the Robert Whitakers of the world? Man, I think I can compete right there with them, man. You know, uh, they may be a little bit faster, but, you know, Khalil Roundtree was pretty fucking fast. So, yes. you know, if, if, if I'm going to be a little bit slower, uh, I'd rather be bigger and stronger uh, at least. So, you know, I think that 85 is, is the way for me to go. 
Now, one thing I was super eager to talk to you about uh, having you on is your BCS championship. In 2009, you were an national champion under Nick Saban's Roll Tide Alabama. You guys beat Texas. See, I'm a huge USC fan, and Texas beat us, what, two years before that in the Rose Bowl. Still had a bad taste in my mouth from it, and then you guys went in there. You beat them. Thanks to you, yourself, you had that huge sack in the fourth with, what was it, like four minutes left? Yeah, I think like three, three and a half or something like that. That sealed the whole game. Tell me what was all that and learning from Nick Saban. What was that? How did that, you know, translate into everything you've done now? Man, you know, it's, it, it was real cool. You know, he was the first person, I feel like, to articulate the process. You know, um, I always had, like, had it in my head, like, I need to do this, I need to do that. But he's the one who really put it into words and really, like, uh, put the path, uh, put the plan on paper. Uh, so it's super easy to follow. Uh, you just show up on time and, and max effort. And, uh, man, you'll see good things will happen. Are you still in contact with Nick Saban? Uh, man, it's a super busy dude, man. So uh, I still talk to him every now and again, but not as often as people would think. You guys make it out to any of the games? Oh, yeah. I, I usually catch a game a year. You know, um, I, I haven't seen the schedule, but, you know, I, I always try to make the LSU game when LSU comes to Tuscaloosa. Yes. Or if, uh, if, they, start, if they play Georgia this year. If George is coming to Bama, I'd like to go to that game. Have you ever thought about going there and trying to recruit some guys to fight? Um, man, you know, at, at this point... There's some big boys know, in Bama. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're huge. But at this point, a lot of those dudes that play at Bama get a shot in the NFL, which is paying a lot more than uh, than MMA is paying. So, you know, uh, and, you know, and football is, is what these guys have done since birth and, you know, have come to love, so... Uh, they're going to get a shot in the NFL doing what they love, so they're, they're, they're definitely going to take that opportunity. You said it yourself. You, you would uh, be much rather be playing in the NFL right now, correct? Uh, I'd rather. I'd, well, if you take the the pay out of it, I would rather do MMA. Okay. Uh, you know the the minimum wage. The millions are uh, nice. <laughs> what's that? So that millions are nice. Yeah, well, the minimum wage in the NFL, at least when I was there, was like $400,000 a year. Damn. Which, you know, you make that over 17 weeks because you only get paid during the season. So, you know, those guys are making some pretty good money. I don't think anybody in my company makes that much money. Yeah. That's, that's and and I work for the state. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. So minimum wage is four hundred grand. they are not living bad lives. Not at all. And then, you know, if you're a guy like Tom Brady, that dude's Ooh. probably making a lot more than that. That dude's got a like a grotto around his house. Yeah. That dude's got a lazy river. You just go outside and float at him and Giselle. Man, he's certainly living the life, man. Now, your wife, she's Brazilian, correct? So you have a little bit of, of Brazilian background with you. Tell me, uh, has that kind of played in a role in you taking fights in Brazil? Um... Man, you know, I would have done that anyways. Uh, but, you know, because my wife is Brazilian, I speak a little bit of Portuguese, and you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with the culture. They, uh, as far as Brazilian fans go, you know, they they like me a lot down there in Brazil. No, for sure. And uh, what are your favorite spots of Brazil? Um, man, I don't think you go. I think my favorite place that I've been to is Salvador, um, where. Uh, uh, Amanda Nunez is from. 
you know, it just seems so much different than the rest of Brazil. And, uh, you know, I just really enjoyed, like, the, the architecture and the, the food and stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm down for, for Rio and uh, Curitiba as well. No, for sure. And then uh, tell me, what is, like, your regimen to stay on weight? Do you have a hard time staying uh, making weight? Or I mean, obviously, you know, you fluctuate between the two. But when it comes to cutting to 85, what's your kind of regimen for that? Oh, uh, man, I actually eat a lot more when I'm cutting to 85 because – um, you know, got to keep that metabolism high. So, yeah. you know, keep the furnace burning uh, all day. So um, I eat a lot more, like, smaller meals. I eat, like, eight times a day when I'm fighting at 85. All scale, like, every two or three hours uh, I eat. Um, so 85 is relatively easy to make. It's just, like, the last, you know, two or three pounds that's really a pain in the ass because it's like you're there, but you're not there. You're on that home stretch. So, man, it's just like, am I done yet? Am I done yet? Am I done yet? So, man, I make 186. I don't, I don't try to go anywhere below uh, 186 or like 185 and a half. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, you always hear fighters talking about those last two pounds are just the worst. But 205, I can make 205 in like 30 minutes. Oh, nice. So you're ready to go right now then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's always good. It's always good to have that other option if you know if you want to. Man. I, I sweat like you know crazy. Like, I'm about 225 right now, uh, and I can get those 20 pounds in you know less than an hour. Where are you uh, in Bama? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in Birmingham. Oh, nice. So you haven't left? Nah. Well, I've been doing some traveling. Man. I was in Vegas for a few weeks, and my wife and I just got back from uh, California. So, um, but I'll be here until it's time to go to Minneapolis. Excellent. And then, um, obviously, you were drafted, or no, no, sorry, sorry, you were signed as a undrafted free agent by the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Tell me what was that whole experience, and then going to Canada, and what was that like? Uh, well, man, you know, we had just won the national championship, and, you know, I think that, uh, uh, I didn't get drafted, I didn't get, I didn't expect to get drafted, you know, I, uh, uh, one-year starter, you know, put up decent numbers, but at the same time, you know, I'm like six one, like two fifty at the time. You know, those guys who play my at outside linebacker, they like those guys like six five, six six, two eighty. So I already knew I was kind of fighting an uphill battle. And uh, but you know, my swag was to the max, my confidence was at all time high, and man, uh, I went there, thought I performed well in, in uh, mini camp, got cut, went to Canada, same situation. Uh, they can only keep like 10 Americans per team in Canada. So, you know, I got the axe. And then, uh, man, I played a year of arena ball and, you know, pretty much said, if it's not the NFL, then, then I don't want to play. You, you talked about you sat behind a desk for a little bit. What did you do? Man, I did a little bit of everything, man. You know, I worked for Coca-Cola. I was a janitor. I cleaned factories. Um, I worked for the government. Uh, I did customer service stuff. You know, there's like a two, three-year stretch there where, I was just, you know, trying to get by. Just trying to hustle, pay the bills. That's it. And then uh, you talked about before your very first training experience, you had to go up against uh, Walt Harris, and they just kind of threw you in there like, do you want to fight? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so I, I met Walt through a uh, through a mutual friend. He was like, yeah, dude, come to the gym, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't even looking to train for it. I was just looking to blow off some steam. And uh, the coach, you know, came up. He's like, hey, can you fight? And I was about, you know, 240, 245 at the time. So, 
Like, can you fight? I grew up fighting. I'm five out of six kids. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, I could fight. <laughs> and I thought I could fight until I got in there with somebody who knew how to fight. Um, but, you know, I think that was a very pivotal point uh, experience in my life. You know, that's what really turned me on to, the, to MMA and, you know, really made me fall in love with it. It's funny that you said the whole, like, fight if you know how to fight. Because like, I always tell people, like, I could fight as long as you don't know how to fight. I'll probably yeah. whip your ass. <laughs> yeah. But if you know any kind of martial arts, I'm not even trying to bite that one off. <laughs> yeah, it's over with. Yeah, no, for sure. Just let it happen. Now, you had a pretty long amateur career. Uh, do you feel like that played dividends going into your professional career? Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, I didn't know. I have no martial arts background whatsoever. Like, I got JV level experience wrestling. And um, I just wanted to make sure that I had seen every scenario um and been in every situation there was to be in uh in a in you know real life in you know in a fighting environment uh and i think i did that and um you know i i, I think that's what i what i needed to do now the ufc has recently made some cuts and one of those guys that was cut was elias theodore you had recently fought him uh did you have any kind of an opinion on what why he got cut or anything like that man uh, I think that the fans, you know, it's a, UFC is a business, man, you know. Yes. So, you know, they're looking for, for fighters that are going to put butts in the seats and sell pay-per-views. Um, and no one's really trying to, to, to watch him fight the style of fight that he fights. Now, um, I say that, but at the same time, man, the dude went 8-3 in the UFC, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, won the ultimate fighter. So, you know, he's got a pretty impressive resume. Beat Cesar uh, Ferreira, beat me, uh, beat a lot of guys, man. So, you know, uh, he certainly knew how to win, uh, but probably just not the most entertaining fighter. And now we have our next fight. It's UFC on ESPN3. The main event is uh, JDS versus Francis Ngannou. You are going to be fighting Vinicius Morea. What have you uh, found out about your opponent so far? Have you watched any Man. tape on him or anything? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm, I'm big on the film study. He, um, you know, I think he's going to look to take the fight to the ground. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is probably the best chance that he, that he has to, to win the fight. Um, certainly the best thing that he does. Um, but, you know, he'll stand in there and crack. You know, he'll stand and bang. You know, he doesn't have the best stand-up in the world, but. You know, uh, once he goes for that takedown, it's pretty relentless with it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's got a lot of submission victories. Uh, his win on the Contender Series was a triangle choke. His last fight in the UFC also, though, was a loss against Alonzo Minifield. And Alonzo Minifield just went in there and put it on him. Is yeah. that going to be kind of your same strategy? Um, you know, I definitely think I need to get off to a fast start and just go out there and be myself, you know. Uh, I think I need to, the biggest thing I need to do is a lot of volume and adapt as the fight is happening, um, which are two things that, you know, have led to losses for me in the past. So uh, definitely something I've been focusing a lot on in this camp and um, making a lot of progress in that in that uh, direction. Do we have an uh, official prediction for this fight? Uh, man, you already know I think I'm going to go out there and knock him out, you know. I don't get paid by the hour, so, you know, I want to exactly. go out there and uh, – you know, turn around and fight again pretty quick. How many more fights would you like to get into in 2019? Uh, I like to fight about four times a year, so this will be two. So, you know, looking for two or three more. Any destinations you have on the mind? 
Man, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of bummed out. The San Antonio where I'm from is like less than a month after yes. I fight. So, but if I go out there and then uh, make quick work of uh, Venetius, then you know I wouldn't have any objections to turn around and fight again in San Antonio. Well, yeah, uh, Desmond Green had the same situation where he fought. I think it was about a month or two before they had that fight in Rochester, and he just called yeah. somebody. He said, "I'll fight anybody. I just want to fight in Rochester." So is that kind of the same yeah. situation? You'll fight whoever it is as long as you get him a fight in San Antonio, as long as you're yeah. healthy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, I got to be healthy. You know, I can't go in there with like a broken hand or anything. But if we're just talking about bumps and bruises and nicks and knacks, and I'm in there. No, for sure. I mean, a lot of fighters go through training camps with nicks and knacks. I mean, hell, I mean, you've heard fighters go through training camps with a broken bone and still winning the fight day. Yeah, so, man, unfortunately, I'm in the, like, the, I'm upside down in my UFC uh, record right now, so I'm not going to take any, like, huge risks uh, if I'm not healthy. But if I'm 100%, then, you know, I already know I'm getting in there with anybody. Although you might be upside down in your UFC career, if you look at the people that you lost to, I mean, it's nothing that you could, you know, lower your head at. It's you got killers in there: Tiago Santos, Leota Machito, Cleo Roundtree's look good, Elias Theodora, who we just spoke about. Those are the only four gentlemen who have bested you in the UFC. So I, I wouldn't take anything from those losses. It's definitely something that you can easily bounce back from. Um, I mean, look at what you did to Tim Williams. Those memes are still flying around. That nice head kick <laughs> KO. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's a sport. It's got to be a winner and a loser. So, you know, uh, it is what it is. My question for you is how long would you like to fight for? Because you did get into this a little later in your life. Um, It all depends on my health, man. You know, if I'm healthy, if I'm good to go, then you know, I'll fight forever. But uh, minimum 35, you know, I think that... Uh, you know, that's probably a good time to, you know, we start hitting that down, we start, you know, going downhill. So, but we'll see how my body holds up, man. I'm 32, my body's never felt better. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. So we could be seeing a lot more of your boy in the re coming years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent, brother. Well, before I let you go, man, I want to give you a quick time to give any shout-outs to sponsors, loved ones, friends, family members, teammates, anyone that's helped you along your MMA journey. Man, you know, there's too many people to name, but, you know, shout out to Infinite CBD. Uh, you know, that it really does play a big role in the, the recovery process, uh, the use of CBD. And uh, Rev Gear for, for keeping all my gear fresh and, and new and, you know, keeping me able to train. And then where can the, fi the fans find you on social media? Uh, you guys can find me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Eric Anders, E R Y K A N D E R S. And there you guys had it. UFC's light heavyweight middleweight contender, Eric, ya boy, Anders. Thanks, man. We appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll definitely have you again after you win this fight. Hey, appreciate it, brother. Thank you for having me. No, of course. Hey, guys, this is Jared Night Train Gooden. You're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys, thank you for joining us today, which was the 29th episode of MMA Wreckage Radio. It was a great episode. Uh, Waleed, thank you for taking time out of your day with me today, brother. I appreciate it. To all our guests, Juan Puerta, Chase Hopper, Eric Anders, thank you guys. I know you guys are super busy. Uh, Juan Puerta was in between practices, so he's able to sneak us in. Uh, Waleed. 
Next week, brother, we got Machita. Sorry, I almost said Machita. We got the Korean Zombie versus Moicano, brother. I'm super excited about that fight. Uh, Andre Ewell, who's also on that card, is going to be on this show next week. Going to work on some more Titan FC guys also to get those guys situated for their, uh, what is it, June 28th. Friday, June 28th. They always throw me off with their Friday events, but I'm getting yeah. used to it. <laughs> yeah, that's a big that that's a big fight for the for the featherweight division. Moicano against the Korean Zombie. That's a good fight. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for that. It'll uh, put some clarification on the top of that division. But uh, thanks for joining us, brother. We will uh, have you again here next week. Thanks everybody who makes this shit possible. Thank you, the fans. I just want to point out last week's show was the second highest show that we've ever had. So uh, thank everyone for being a part of that. Thank you, Waleed. We're just doing this goddamn thing. We're just going to keep rowing this ship till this motherfucker dies. And I'm not going to let it die. Yeah. But uh, we are MMA Wreckage Radio, and we are out. Peace.